horrible Renault strategy, an angry Charles Leclerc and a passing of a legend. Welcome to OzF1's recap of the Monaco 2019 Grand Prix. OzF1 is a passionate community based in Melbourne, Australia. We bloody love Formula One. We bloody love Daniel Ricciardo. And of course, as always, we bloody love that you have joined us. And with me in our beautiful little studio here on the Mornington Peninsula, uh, my friends and yours, we're going to go in reverse order this time. Welcome to you, Mr. Thomas T. How are you, Tommy? Good. How you doing, boys? Doing very well. And of course, our bigger friend, and yours in every single way, Campy, thomasjcamp.com.au. Welcome to you, my friend. I'll take that as a compliment. Thank you, mate. You bloody but sure. Boys, how are you? We're Good. doing very well. We're doing very well. Uh, boys, Monaco, the uh, the staple really in terms of the, the race on the F1 calendar, or is it? We can have a bit of a conversation about that later on. Not racing-wise, but where it goes. it is the jewel in the crown. It is the jewel in the crown. Uh, we've seen some absolutely horrific... Strategy, reference Renault and our boy <laughs> Danny Rick. But again, we'll get back to him. And really, I think something that we probably should start with is the passing of Nicky. Um, realistically, you know, I don't think Mercedes would be where they, they are right now without him. And certainly the sport wouldn't be where it is right now without him. And indeed, Charlie Whiting. We didn't mention this back uh, in the Australian recap, but considering... You know, within a space of a couple of months, we've lost two heavyweights out of the sport. Two legends. It's sad. I think the sport's probably not in a place that either of them wanted to depart from. There's certainly a number of improvements that need to be made. But uh, I just think that the tributes to Nikki were phenomenal. The entire grid did a wonderful job in, in terms of paying their respects. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, what I heard, the consistent theme throughout the whole weekend was that both men off track were incredible human beings, not just their what they've given to F1 over their many years of service. Um, the men that they were off track spoke to their character immensely and hence why everyone in the paddock loved them, loved them both. And with Nicky on the weekend, it's obviously very, very tragic what happened and ultimately what happened back in 1976 came back to bite him on the, on the backside now, but I don't think you'd regret anything you did in his life and... Yeah, it's very sad. Wonderful to see those little red halos on the Mercedes, which I think are quite funny considering he was so against the halos yep. to begin with. I didn't see the Novotel uh, branding on his on the red hats, though. No, well, it's no, it wasn't even Novotel. The, the branding, it's a racing gaming company that. Uh, it's a Nova, slot machine company. Novologic, yeah, yeah, Novologic. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, In, interesting by that. So a bit of a, uh, a taint, I guess, coming in to Monaco, but. Look, you know, qualifying was bloody interesting, wasn't it, Tommy? Mm-hmm. What, yeah. What did you think? Great. Um, obviously, qualifying is super important in this race more than others. Um, as Kirby said before, when I was getting introduced to this year of Formula 1 being one of my first following it this, for, this closely, it's literally about track position. So if you can do really well in qualifying, um, as we saw, super important. So some big upsets, like we lost a few people that we probably shouldn't have in uh, in P1, in Q1, sorry. Um, 
and then, yeah, some very interesting races and, and a very clutch finish at the end there for Lewis as well. It really highlights the mid-pack again, yet again, the strength of, of this field. And it's not even the mid-pack, is it? It's just everyone <laughs> except for Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull and even then Williams. Ferrari and Red Bull. Um, you're looking at some really bloody stupid decisions coming from the Ferrari garage. Campy, you've got some bloody thoughts on this. Yeah, at least Bonotto came out and apologised for what happened to Leclerc this time and said we got this one wrong as a team. Whereas in the last race in Barcelona, with both drivers coming up on each other, he came out and defended the team afterwards and said that, and pleaded ignorance. He said, oh, we didn't realise that the guy behind was faster for four or five laps and protected the team and didn't admit some blame which is utterly stupid in the first place, but at least he had the guts to come out and say it was our fault. But we'll talk about it more later. I think there's some real issues at Ferrari. They cannot manage these tyres at all. There is something wrong with their car fundamentally. At the top end, trying to chase down Mercedes, something's gone wrong since pre-season testing, and I think we need to figure out what that is. At least they came out and apologised. Renault's got no bloody idea what's going on with them. (laughs) Hey, uh, let, but talking of Renault, let's talk about Danny Rick, uh, our boy, and, and in terms of how he performed in qualifying. Camper, you were saying in terms of the tyres on the Renault at the moment, you think the car itself is doing very well with well, those compounds? I think if we look at Renault's history over the last three or four races, their strategy has always been a, a one-stop and make the tyres work. At Monaco, it should have worked. Danny Rick said his fastest lap of the race in the last lap on that medium compound. And I think if we look back throughout the races, it's clear that their objective is not flat-out raw pace speed, but where they can make positions up in this mid-pack and start to gain is on their time management. I think they've figured it out better than every other team so far. I think you're right. And uh, I think that's probably the only saving grace for them for this weekend. Not really. (laughs) What about Danny Rick in qualifying, though? What? Let's just go on. No, no, go on. Go what for a it. guy, right? Right. <laughs> Q three, only only one run comes out and nails it. Yeah. And we know he likes his track and he's superb around it. It's his home, and he says it's his favourite track of the year. But to come out and do that when everyone else was pretty subdued on their first laps, their fastest laps were always in the second. There is men in this sport, and there are boys, and we'll talk about that later. But Danny Rick, it mate, he's. He's one quick F1 driver. Charles Leclerc, we have to talk about Charles. We have to discuss. Okay, so we're going to start talking about the race in a little bit, but I just want to go from his mindset when Bernardo has apologised for not putting him out again to to get through into uh, Q2 to race day and a couple of laps in where he was just... This is driving that we have not seen a style from him before. He was bullet a gate in terms of just wanting to get past. And in fact, after quali, he said, look, you know, I'm going to have to just gotta take some risks and I'm probably going to bin it. He said it. And he bloody did. And that's what we want, right? Well, you know, yes, probably not the, uh, the guys who were supporting Ferrari, but certainly for the fans' point of view, we want to see people taking risks. He was the only one really to put it into a good position at that part of the track. Mm-hmm. And it was a big surprise a big surprise for Roman when that happened. And for everybody else. And I shocked. Think, I think it was great. Roman's car positioning wasn't that great, though. 
No. He went into that final turn quite wide, hence why he could put up the inside. All mm-hmm. it takes is for an experienced driver to just put it in the right spot with no inside room at all and you're fine. Like Nico? Yeah, totally. And that's exactly what happened to him and he, the door got shut on him because these cars are two metres wide, as, as everyone keeps reminding <laughs> us. This track is hasn't gotten any bigger, but the cars have got a lot bigger sideways at least. Les, let's talk uh, through some of the things that happened during the race and we'll talk about the teams as well. Uh, I'd like to talk about the stewards. I'd like to talk about the the fact that there were two very different types of penalties given for what I see as two very different infringements uh, in terms of racing incidents. Campy, your thoughts, uh, let's talk about the pit lane incident first. So if, you, if you're not aware, uh, there was a unsafe release of Red Bull releasing Max Verstappen into the path of Valtteri Bottas uh, and uh, Vettel was just behind. And in terms of the, the order, I suppose, you've got the, the pit lane uh, towards the end is uh, it was Max and then Sebastian and then Valtteri in terms of who was coming in through the line. So Valtteri was, came out first, Max got released into him and, and Seb is yeah. sitting at the back just playing the long game, which he played all race. But your thoughts on, on what was going on and, a, and really a, a, a penalty that didn't really seem like it was enough. Any other racetrack, that would have been an unsafe release. I think the reason they were so lenient is they hinted to it on the commentary was that Red Bull can't see out on the track when there's a massive Ferrari crew there, hence why they released him when they released him. At the same time, Max got lucky that with only a five-second penalty, but the stewards should have been on that five-second penalty way quicker than they were. It should have been a drive-through penalty, in my I opinion, so. yep. to keep it consistent throughout the year. Yep, yep. And it's not like they have to go and look at angles and review it for as long as they did because it was about 10 minutes of actual racing before Mm -hmm. they made the decision. If you make him do that drive-through pit, drive-through penalty under a safety car, that ruins races max. uh, Sorry, that ruins Max's race. It also ruins races max. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yes, I've got that one out. but But it does. It, it ruins his race because he ultimately ruined Valtteri's race. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I, I, I'm a big Max fan, and he got no. lucky to only get the five seconds. But if penalty. anything, it, you a Max fan? Are you Wait, a Max what? fan? <laughs> but if that. anything, it actually saved Seb's race. It actually put him in the best position. Absolutely. He benefited more than anyone from that being served after the race, as opposed to a drive-through. Yeah, and it should have been a drive-through. Should have been, a and it should have been handed within down three within laps. a minute. Yeah, because Valtteri lost some something from his car, didn't he? Got pushed into that pit wall. It was a yep. floor that he lost, barge board. No, when he got hit, this yeah, there was some floor that came off, but right. they saw some pressure loss in the tyres. Hence, why they pitted him on the very next lap to put the hards on. So, yeah, it should have been what they did with um, with Charles after the the little spinning incident that he had. Hey, let's um, let's talk about the, the other penalty. Let's talk about Giovinazzi and his little "You spin me right round, baby, right round," which sort of F one was like, <laughs> "Is this F two again?" There's the, it all these the cars <laughs> racing in the wrong direction. Just another Italian F one that's not getting right at the moment. Oh, <laughs> well, there it is. Uh, look, you're not wrong though, are you? This is this is the shame. But realistically, ten second penalty for him uh, for doing something which was. A racing incident. Yep. There was no one standing around with 
you know, wheel guns or – look, I just don't think it was five seconds was enough in comparison to Max. If you're going to penalise Max for five seconds, you're going to penalise Giovinazzi for five seconds because whilst he made a stupid move, you cannot tell me that that means more of a penalty for 10 yeah. seconds than it does. Especially where it happened, why it happened at the back of the pack. Didn't affect anyone, didn't need a safety car. They managed to clear it up quickly enough and didn't impact the leaders, I think. Yeah, impacted it was Charles. nothing. But really, who cares? <laughs> he was angry enough as it was. Yeah. Then he managed to get out in front At of Giovinazzi. At the same time, I can handle racing incidents go unpunished if totally. you're actually trying to yeah, pass. Absolutely. And I don't think Giovinazzi should have it even wasn't got a, a penalty. It wasn't for a it. stupid yeah. move. No. It was. It was there to be taken. The door closed. Yep. It happens. Yep. It does. And this new race director, he needs to find a good groove and get some credibility about him. In my opinion. Okay. Continue. Are you? Did you apply for the race director's position? I should have. I'd be bloody good at it. Would, Would you, you now? <laughs> okay, good. Again, if you're listening and you're part of the FIA, you'd like to get in touch with uh, Campy, thomasjcamp.com.au. Uh, you'll have to get in line but behind Christian Horner and Toto Wolf, of course, who are banging down his door for <laughs> advice. Guys, let's go through the teams. We've just touched on Giovinazzi, so let's start with Alfa Romeo. Useless. Um, you don't want to do Williams? I, no, no, I'm going to do in the, the reverse order this time because I, I'm, I'm not the reverse order, but not put them last or first okay, at least right. because I, I really think George Russell had a very good race. But let's talk about Giovinazzi uh, and Kimi holding up our boy Daniel for such a long time. Um, Giovinazzi just did not perform the entire weekend. Alfa Romeo didn't perform the Nothing. entire weekend. Yep. Yep. Didn't perform. <laughs> I don't not, know what else to not, say. <laughs> it just did not show up. Kimmy. It's going back to old Sauber days for yep. me. It's going back to the blue and yellow, no halo, you know, three, four years ago. It just what's the point in showing up as far as I'm concerned? And sorry, like I love you, Kimmy, but bloody hell, you held up Daniel for so long. The the train behind Kimmy. I'm not worried about was Kimmy. Too much. It wasn't Kimmy that ruined it. No, but I'm just – he did, though. He did do that. He held it up. But we get there. We'll get yeah, to your new whipping boy. Just bloody relax. Okay, so Alfa Romeo, uh, not really doing much this time around. Um, but, again, someone who really stood out, in my opinion, was George Russell for Williams this time. Um, uh, look, I, I am excited to see what happens with George and where he goes. Uh, it's interesting because if I was Esteban Ocon, I would be a little bit worried about my future with – the works team when you've got someone like George Russell doing what he's doing in that Williams, which he's is maxing it out. He's maxing it. If, mm-hmm. if you put him in a racing point rather than a Williams, mm-hmm. it'd be really interesting to see what he would be doing better than Stroll because sure. Stroll can put himself in the bin as far as I'm concerned. No. Let's just give mm-hmm. us some perspective. They are that far off. And he's consistently beaten Robert Kubica all year. Consistently. Other than that, we don't know anything about the kid. I think for such a terrible car, he's getting a lot more out of it than a very experienced driver, which shows a lot to me. But how do we know that? Imagine if Danny Rick was driving, I guarantee he'd be a second quicker on every racetrack. But Danny's one in a million, Matt. Come on, we know this. Yeah, I know that. But this is what I'm saying. We don't know anything about George Russell other than he's beating Kubica at the well, moment. Well, we, we do know. I mean, he Swap was him and Lando, I think that he'd be doing very similar things. Like he's the, that good. These are the guys that were racing in F2 last year. We do know that George is an incredible driver from last year. What if year. Robert is – all I'm trying to say is what if Robert is so shit <laughs> and George Russell has come into F1 and 
<laughs> so he's you're not arguing as that bad. Robert's shit and he's just merely mediocre. But we know making him look good. We all know that Robert is not performing where he should be and he shouldn't even be in that car. The fact that he spun around actually was a good example of seeing how his injury affected him getting his hand on the steering wheel to change the direction of the car that quickly when they all spun around thanks to Giovinazzi. Actually, if you look mm. back on that, it was, he was slow to move that stuff around. Anyway, okay, so Williams, yeah. why are they bothering turning up? Well, to be honest, it was nice to see George mm-hmm. in front of uh, some other cars for, for a change. And, yeah, okay, there was on the train and he wasn't as fast through all the, the, the fast bits in coming through the tunnel as well. But, look, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him and that's, that's great. Let's talk about Racing Point uh, and the nothingness that, again, they have brought to this weekend. They had no pace at all. Let's talk about Checo. Um, I, I don't even know where Checo finished. He finished 12th. 12th. Um, which he just didn't have much of a race, did he? Really? I didn't really see much of them all weekend. No, you didn't. I saw a bit of Stroll in the race, and he was way off the pace. Way off. He, I don't think he likes this circuit. No, he's, he's a boy. He's a boy, okay. He's been given the boy tag by Boy Campy. status. He's a boy, he's not a man. Okay. But his dad, daddy's cars are doing I well for that's him. that's why. It's pretty hard to be a man when your daddy's your boss. I've, yeah. I've held off on ragging in, on in, until now, but... I think he scored points in two out of the six races so far, but the tracks that it matter that it matters at, where like Monaco, where everyone's a lot closer, he was the same distance back as he has been all year. If you're Mister Stroll, do you come to the end of the season and you look at Lance's performance and you say, you know, maybe I'm not actually that happy with Hay performing, son? <laughs> Wouldn't it be good to see him drop his own son in, in preference for a faster driver and not someone with money. I know it's not going to happen, but wouldn't it be good... It would be. ...to, to show that this guy leading this consortium of, of investors into this racing team is actually going to put their money behind someone who's actually good? Because, again, if you put Ocon in that car, or you, put Will, or you put Russell rather in that car, they're going to perform better than both Checo and Stroll. I'm just going to say, I'm going to put my bloody neck out there because I don't think either of them are that very, that greater driver. And we've spoken about the, the tier sort of level of driver. They're definitely not tier one. And to be honest, they're not really tier two. You're looking at tier three. Checo is maybe at the tail end of tier two drivers. Mm-hmm. But Lance is definitely tier three as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. He's just a bit of a nothing person as far as I... You know, it just doesn't bring any anything to interviews, to the track... He just sort of turns up, he's like a grey man. And just has excuses. I mean, everyone has excuses, but his is just like, well, you're just not that good. Um, I'm all about a bit of tough love from the old man. <laughs> you would be? Yeah, totally. Get. I'd love to see his dad sack him and then re-employ him in three years yep. after he's had three years send out. Send him to India or something. Grow yep. up a bit. I would love to see that. Don't send him to Indy because then Grosjean will hit you. <laughs> Did you see Ericsson yes. smash out into the wall? I'm pretty sure Grosjean hit me. Doesn't matter. He's not even uh, racing. <laughs> but again, we don't know enough about Stroll and his who he is as a person. Ah, oh, we don't need to. That's what's to judge about. his character and how do you how would he yeah. even handle that? Either. Yeah, we do. Do it's you think a, you'll show some personality in son. Canada, mate? We're a podcast. We know everything yeah, about everyone exactly. that we need to. <laughs> so Canada's up next. His home race. Do you think you'll show a bit more character? He'll be no. on display a bit more. Nah. That'll show because the media will be like, oh, this is home race. They'll want to interview him. That whole country should nothing. show a bit more spark in there. Spark. <laughs> All right. Give us that. Isn't Rip on Canada. Isn't personalities. Funny? Isn't it funny, though, that we talk about these people's home races? You like Australia is Danny Rick's home race. No, it's not. Monaco is bloody Lewis Hamilton. His home race. Most of the commentators' home races. They all Nico's live home, there. They bloody live there. That's their home race. They drive it's around the street all the time. I'd be living there, too. No, I thought you were living in the Caymans at the moment. Uh, if you're the ATO, please get in touch. Uh <laughs> 
Okay, racing point, not really doing much. Let's talk about Tommy's favourite team that used to be his favourite team that's now potentially near his favourite team again. Haas to meet you. Mr. Gene. Good. I think Magnussen had a really good qualifying. Mm. He looked good. Um, but then he really suffered from that safety car, much like Danny Rick, and just got stuck behind that mid Lando Norris. <laughs> Hold on. Just wait. We're coming. Please I think the two, the two down, of mate. them were, were trailing the, the leading four and – there was a gap, which we can talk about Danny leaving a massive gap there. Mm. But what happened was they all pitted. The two of them pitted after the four leaders to put on some new tyres and no one else did. So then they got overtaken in the pits and then were just stuck behind this train of slow, useless. 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 Um, and I think he just suffered Boring. from that to the fact that he actually got beaten by Grosjean who probably – was lesser of a driver the whole weekend, to be I, honest. I really need to give it to K-Mag. His start, and I'm, I'm very happy that Daniel got in front of him, but his start in terms of recognising that Daniel was in a better position, the angle of Daniel's car off the start, all of that stuff, he, he did a great job. He didn't have to. He could have squeezed Daniel into that wall. He yep. could have done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's not past him. If it was Hulkenberg, <laughs> he would have squeezed. He'd be like, suck my balls, I'm squeezing <laughs> you into the wall. Yeah. But because, yeah. and I said this to you before we started recording, I think Daniel has so much respect by everyone in the paddock that they're just not thinking like that mm. about this guy. Okay, but we'll come to Daniel a little bit later. Um, so K-Mag, oh, great drive. and Great, of course, great qualifying too. And great to put it on fifth, that was pretty. And I think, and just to say, Grosjean was two tenths up on Magnussen's lap before he got held up by Gasly yes. in his qualifying run too. So, whipping boy, Grosjean wasn't as slow as his qualifying no, suggested that's either. Very true. No, that's very true. Uh, so, the thing that really sort of gets me about this weekend is the fact that we got uh, our mate on the pit wall. Yeah, it good. was it was really it was really great to to listen to Gunter again. He's just so honest. He's brutally honest. I bloody love it. You know, most love what he's doing for the F bomb too. It's just quality. <laughs> <laughs> Sky love it too. My like, man, yeah, <laughs> they freak out every time. Has to just sign a disclaimer before he gets interviewed. Them. Yeah, it's, it's you're not wrong. Interviewed by them. Jeez, Campy, get it together. <laughs> you sound awful, awful lot like yourself. They're harassing yourself. Uh, but it has to – well, and I think what I was trying to say before was that the only reason K-Mag ended up where he was is because they covered off Renault, who had the worst strategy on the day, as bloody shown in the past couple of races yet again. We will come to Renault uh, and Thirul, but stupidity. But, uh, you know, as he said, what else, I was going to say, what else can we do? We, yeah. have to, we have to cover them off because we don't know what's going to happen. And realistically, K-Mag was racing Danny and, and Danny was racing K-Mag. Like that, mm-hmm. that's where the race was for them. It, it wasn't the top four. They knew. I mean, to be honest, if K-Mag could have held on, he could have even got into fourth. If he was harassing that sort of level early on and will come to the gap again that Daniel left in the first couple of laps. But I don't think yeah, K-Mag would have done that. It was that. 10 laps before they pitted and it was about a... 19 seconds. I mean, 1.9 seconds a lap. If you look at the race pace comparisons they did in FP1, it's pretty on the money. You mm. expect those top four, top five drivers to get out that sort of gap. Not in the first lap. That's uh, just me. Let's talk about McLaren. Let's release, release, relinquish the uh, chains off of Campy and release him against Lando. Gone. Off you go. What were you thinking, Lando Norris? <laughs> You shit human being. <laughs> Have a backbone and actually try and race, mate. 
What happened? Give it so for those who weren't aware of what he was doing. So Daniel Ricardo pitted under the yellow safety car. Now we all know Monaco is about track position, and if you lose track position, your race may as well be over. Put yourself in the bin. Mm-hmm. But what happened was, after the yellow, ran up Ricardo and Magnussen were the only two to pit, and they came out behind everyone else. What they used Lando Norris as was a rear gunner for Carlos Sainz, so he could jump it. He could jump those two to get into that um, fifth and sixth position that he, they were aiming for, and as soon as that gap between Norris and the person in front of him got out uh, to Sainz was twenty six seconds. They pitted Sainz for so he could get his mandatory stop in, and then everyone else behind him did it. And by that stage, Ricardo and Magnussen's race was over. And they're yep. sitting in sort of thirteenth, fourteenth at this pace. Just and going, he played a role for the team. I mean. I get it. It happens all the time, but it's just shit form for me. You've gone down in my book. And he's gone down in my book as well because, as I said to you, Tommy, if you're in the way of my man, <laughs> you'd set yourself Yeah, my second fire. man, not my first man. Correct. No, but he even came after the race and said, if I had a race for myself today, a points-paying position was out there. Oh, yeah. for sure. Oh, for sure. And this is the problem. In hindsight, would he have done that again? Probably not, but this is a rookie year. He's going to do stuff that the team want him to do rather than him doing yeah, it for the team. I don't but, like it. but I think, you know, I'm sorry, but Carlos is not the kind of driver that you do that for. No. I understand if Charles did that for Sebastian. I understand last year if Valtteri did that for Lewis. Yeah. But again, not tier- when you're battling for sixth and tenth place. Sorry, mate, you're not a tier one driver. Someone who Carlos. does it better is Red Bull. They actually get Gasly to do that a fair bit for Verstappen, but in a What's much better way. What's he gunning from? <laughs> yeah. No one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's the true. Air, but he doesn't they're even using him as a rear gunner. <laughs> suggests that he's shit. The only the only reason that he's doing that is so he can get the fastest lap time to get his we'll one get there. championship we'll point. Get there. In saying that, though, I don't. I think if Ricardo and Magnussen hadn't pitted under the yellow. Everyone else would have behind behind them would have pitted anyway, and it would have compromised their race. I think mm. because they pitted, everyone else stayed out. But because they did, everyone else chose to stay out on track. But you know, I think even if everyone else had pitted, they would have covered them off and still remained in position. Because mm. you know, we saw this towards the end with Daniel and how quickly he was going at the end to catch up. We'll come to him. I just think, don't yeah. help bloody talking I about think him. My issue was that they put them on the medium instead of the hards, which. The three behind Lewis had the hards on because they were just committing to staying out there the whole time. Yeah, but Renault's good on tyres this year. I think their strategy for the last three races has been we're going to maximise these tyres and get yeah. the longest life out of them. But I don't like that. I don't like watching Danny race no, like that. Not at all. Time management versus entertainment. We've exactly. spoken about it last week. All right, let's talk about Renault. So uh, let's talk about Nico first and we can talk about Daniel uh, after that. So... Nico, again, just didn't have much of a race. And we were talking about this just before we started recording in terms of Nico was probably feeling pretty happy with himself this time last year. He was, you know, I was up there. He, he was the number one driver for Renault. He was pretty much that since... In a works team. In a works team since mm-hmm. Checo left. He wasn't under threat, really. Next minute, we've got <coughs> Daniel coming backwards from a top three team into Renault, earning an absolute monster in terms of, of salary. And... Now you're the second driver. You're going to feel really weird, aren't you? And other than Melbourne, he's had his ass handed to him in qualifying. Yep. And racing, except for Bahrain where Danny Rick did that stupid one-stop strategy where he dropped back. But that's Renault. 
They ended up blowing up anyway. But he's spanked him every single weekend. Yep. And I think this is the first time that Holkenberg's come up against a world-class driver and a top-tier one of that. Mm-hmm. And we're beginning to see some crack show. It's 5-1 in qualifying, and Danny Ricks outraced him everywhere except for yep. Melbourne. Everywhere. So he didn't really show up uh, to Monaco, but that's okay. Look, you know, he's he's still going to be potentially a rear gunner for Daniel in the future. I don't think he'll ever do it, to be honest. He's just not that kind of person. Let's talk about Daniel. Uh, oh, thank goodness I can finally speak about him freely. So <sighs> he did a freaking great start. Really oh, good, really good. I was shouting at my television yeah, so <laughs> with bloody joy, good. get in there, son, you know, yep. like the stamp and send yep. it, all of the things that he said last year. And it's funny on his Instagram leading up to Monaco, he's changed it from the honey badger to the bottlenose dolphin, and that's exactly what he bloody <laughs> did. He bottlenose dolphined his way in front of K-Mag to get around yep. turn one, and it was incredible. And then it was incredibly disappointing from there on in the speed of the top four in front of him, just getting away. And, you know, talking through the hairpin already, you think, you think where the hell is he? Yep. Yeah. The angle it's really showed one. it. And he wasn't even coming okay, around. Yeah, it's maybe, you know, 0.5 of, mm. you know, one second, maybe, but no, but it just shows, shows how big the gap to the top teams are. It's really depressing to be completely honest, because I thought, you know, hell, mate, you can, you hold on here to those, to that, the, the end of Max, yeah. yep. and you're in it, because it's not necessarily about speed, this track, and we, we've spoken no. about this before, you know, it is a really slow speed, you're doing 55 k's an hour going around the hairpin, it's really slow for a Formula One car, yep. and it's about setup, it's about where you put the car, it's about tyre management, it's about track position, and Daniel had all of those, so I'm thinking, this is great, and mm-hmm. then... You just kept ticking and ticking. I think he ticking. was. I think he was pretty aware of it too. That track position is everything, and he was really managing his tyres in that from first the start. Thing. Hence, why they got out to a twenty-second gap so quickly. And that safety car just screwed it up, big time. It's yeah. a po- really poor strategy. Yeah, it was just ready. unlucky, I think. But in saying that, when Kimi Räikkönen pitted, he was forty-four seconds behind um, Grosjean. And by the end of the race, he got it down to about 4.7. And with Grosjean's penalty... Pipped ninth. Got ninth. It was so funny because... And, mate, that, the kid, the guy is good. Sky F1 was saying, ah, oh, you know, let's have a look at who's seconds. here. Oh, you know, it's 15 seconds. Don't worry about that. You know, Grosjean will have that. It's inconsequential. And then and that was Martin Brundle. And then at the end of the race. So but we've been tracking it on our text as well. We were like, jeez, he's got that gap down. He's, all I was watching the last yeah. five laps was the timing, the live timing about Danny. And to the point where I had to open the F1 app because they'd stopped showing where all the positions came from to see it. And it was a couple of hundredths of a second that he managed yeah. to do it with five-second penalty. The fact that he managed to get... That close to Grosjean with that fewer laps at the end of the race goes back to what we were saying last podcast, Campy, in terms of the entertainment factor of this compared to this tyre management, you know, everything Mm -hmm. else, the boring. And we're seeing Daniel at his fastest at the very end of the race each time. And look, Monaco, you can't draw any sort of concrete conclusions on just because of the way the track races. You cannot do anything at that track unless you qualify well. So... It was good to see Danny Rick come back, and he's he's just a star. He's, he's a star. He's good. that good. Renault just sort their strategy out, and it's it's funny. A lot of people have been saying that, um, but he hasn't had any luck in F one since no. Monaco last year. Well, that was his last. So hopefully, podium. Canada is a turning point for him. Mm-hmm. We can only hope. Let's talk about Toro Rosso and how well they performed this weekend. Before we go there, okay. Cyril Beatable came out and said they had a problem with the Conrod in their engine. Uh, Hint, and they that. were running on some lower power. 
okay. in their motor for the last three races. So if you don't know what I a con rod is, it's a connecting rod between the piston and the crankshaft, mm-hmm. and it's the part that you see that moves in between them. It's almost like a coat, a coat hanger. So if that's not as strong as it should be, it can bend and break, hence why we saw what happened in Bahrain with both of them on the same lap. So they've been running out of lower power mode, but it sounds like they've got it sorted, they've got the solution, and it'll be coming in for Canada. So We can only hope that, that improves <laughs> Danny in every single one. Okay, yep. Toro Rosso. Now, we'll, we'll talk about them. They did a bloody good job this weekend, didn't they? They performed. This is, think about the Toro Rosso. I like watching Kvyat a lot. But think about the Toro Rosso two, three years ago, Campion. It's almost similar to thinking about Sauber, how low down the pack they were. They were performing worse than Williams. Now, they've got two wonderful drivers, finally. They've had some issues with drivers over the past couple of years. They've got a solid lineup. Yeah. They've got solid strategy. The drivers respect each other. They're doing incredible things on their own, but also helping each other out. Mm. Pit stops are good. Everything about them is good. This is a team that, as far as I'm concerned, can really look to challenge for fourth in the constructors this year. I think you're right. And Dietrich's actually come out and said, I don't want these guys to play second fiddle to the A team anymore. Good. Good. And the information that they've been sharing since Toro Rosso went to Honda last year, we're seeing that impact of the information that Red Bull is now giving back to Toro Rosso about the cars. And I don't think they'll ever be quicker than the A team, but... That gap is growing slower, which is a good thing, right? If Gasly has a bad day and one of them has a good day, who knows? And Gasly often has bad days. No, never. I mean, Kvyat qualified well as well. And so, I mean, Albon did too. Uh, Kvyat, in my opinion, has got the upper hand. But that's three races in a row we've seen from Kvyat that he's, he's on the money. Got his mojo back, and they've got ten points between them for for Toro Rosso for the constructors, which is huge for for a midfield team at this point. And uh, I actually, I'm going to say that if Kvyat does this in the next four races before the season break, he could be back in that A team really oh. quickly. Every other time we've said it, I think no, not this year. It's not going to happen. But if he continues to perform like he has been. Mm. Could happen pretty quickly. But what happens about Esteban, your little favourite Esteban Max team, the Thomas J. Camp Formula One Incorporated team that you're going to put together <laughs> with your two favourite drivers? Well, it's not going to happen. Oh, okay. Uh, no, no, it's, it's <laughs> not going to happen. I want it to happen, but it's not going to. It's because Christian hasn't called you yet. He but will eventually. I still think Ocon should be, on a side note, he should be considering his options massively. Mm. He's not going to get in that A team next year, not the way no. Hamilton Bottas are driving at the Hell moment. Hell no. There's no way he's going to go back to Williams. No. George Russell's only going to go up from here. Mm-hmm. Where do we put him? In a force India again? He's already been there. No. Uh, potentially in Renault. Seriously, if you think about where Hulkenberg's looking at the moment. He won't want to go to Renault, though. You don't know that. Well, he might. If he wants to drive, he'll go. But no one wants to come up against Danny Rick as a teammate. I don't think so. Because they're going to get shown up. True. No, you're right. Okay. but uh, Seb didn't want to last year. Vetoed him going to... Not that it matters. Not that it matters, absolutely. We'll talk about Ferrari yeah. in a second. Let's yeah. talk about... So Toro Rosso doing really well. Let's talk about the A team, then Red Bull, who's not so A in comparison to the B team at this point. Uh, Max? Star. Yeah, very good. Really, really solid. He's grown a lot in the past couple of races as very well, hasn't mature. he? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's been this since from this time last year. Yep, this is where he's he drove. Incre- he's just he's good. He'll be a world champion. 
Jeez, you just bloody love him, don't oh, you? You couldn't geez, get that out fast down. enough. Jeez, mate, just relax. <laughs> no, he was very fast all weekend. Yeah. Just spot on. Spot on the money. It's kind yeah. of a shame that he got that penalty, to be honest, because I think he deserved yeah. third. Yeah, second. Uh, second, sorry. Yeah. I think he deserved it. Um, well, he was only in second because... Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. You, he deserved right. the podium. You're right. Uh, okay, ready, set, whipping boy, go. I've said everything I need to say about this guy in the last five podcasts. Do you want to update us quickly Just on what you thought? Shit ass. Okay. Demotion is coming. Oh. Well, it has to be coming. Yeah, but he got right. the fastest lap. That must have. Oh. <laughs> Tommy, don't shit stir me. I'm sorry about my languages. Tom. I'm really starting to get frustrated. At this point, Williams could get the fastest lap, really, if they just yeah. had clean air and put fresh rubber on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not even that big a deal anymore. We were really excited about the fastest Red. lap this season, and it's just been a joke. Gasly's ruined it. Yeah. Other than the twice that uh, Bodas and Hamilton have got We've it. We've got it from the front. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. I get that. I'm happy to mm. deal with that. Not this in, all se- in the middle of nowhere, so I'll get a fastest lap point. I know I'm calling for his head, but in all seriousness, there has to be some discussions going on at Red Bull about the way that Gasly is performing at the moment. Mm. Yep, you're right. They are not a team that is going to settle for a driver being that far back. Mark Webb, look, Mark got spanked by Seb most of his career. And when he was getting spanked by Seb really badly in the last couple of years... Mark was on the decline, and he was well down the bottom of the mountain. Yep. But not even he was that far off. Like, with, he was like genuinely, consistently a couple of tenths off Vettel. Yep. Yep. This kid is six tenths behind Monaco. Yeah. Yeah. But just, Red Bull will be looking at this going, we've got a genuine chance to come second in the Constructors' Championship, but we've got one driver that's letting us down and I'd be shocked if there wasn't conversations about it going on at that day. It's just stupid mistakes like in qualifying when he got that penalty because he's just sitting in the middle of the track not aware that someone's on a hot lap. Like, yeah, I, don't think, I don't think that's his fault. That's team and communication. Because you can't see out of the back of those cars and I think the team should be going, oh, look, Grosjean's on a hot lap. He got caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. I feel like he's done it a few times this season with stupid penalties. I'm not even talking about, I'm talking about in race pace and yeah. in qualifying. Yeah. Sheerly on the... The statistics that we've seen mm. in every session, the kids know we're near it. Yeah. Well, Christian, if you're listening, you've got which the... Which you are. Which of course you are. Thanks for taking time out of the Spice we'll take him at tour to, to listen French will have to him. us. Well, hey. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so that's... <laughs> yeah, Ripple are constantly disappointing in that, that respect as well, to be honest, and they need to make a call. Sooner or later, Helmet Marco is not afraid to do that. Uh, let's talk about Feza Ferrari. I'm just going to put this out to you, boys. Is Sebastian Vettel just being a grey man at the moment? He's not really doing anything, is he? He's kind of just there and there's a red car kind of around the front and he's doing some he things that, that are interested. nice, but realistically, he doesn't seem that interested. It goes back to the support of the team. It goes back to the communication. It goes back to the strategy. It goes back. This is not a team that is clearly put together well. And you talk about... You What's listen, he got to be excited about, though? Going to a racetrack and realistically finishing fourth. Yeah. You talk about Schumacher, the era of Schumacher with Ferrari. The only reason Ferrari was good back then was because of Michael, because Michael took the time to go out and get everything together. And we've heard this from many different people talking about this in, in, um, in talking about his 50th birthday recently. It was him. He was the cohesion. He was the glue in, in the car. As soon as he went, you saw things started going wrong. Felipe didn't have the best 
time. Alonso didn't have the best time. Vettel is not having the best time. Kimi didn't really have the best time. Okay, he got a championship in there. But realistically, that could have been Felipe's. It wasn't the fact that it was Kimi over Felipe. Yeah. It was just the Ferrari managed to get in front at that point. There's no cohesion there. In fact, it's worse than Renault's strategy. I'm just going to say that. It's... Um, Shocking. They are a shambles. I feel sorry for both Charles and for Seb. Their their qualifying time in Barcelona was slower than their pre-season testing time for Leclerc. And Vettel's was quite comparative, actually. That's crazy. Leclerc's was slow. There must be something going wrong with their... There must be something about the car that they've recognised a weakness or an issue... And they're trying to manage it, or they just weren't that quick in pre-season testing. It's it's just really sad. And anyway, I'll say it again. Sib's just a great person. Yeah, but what's he got to be excited about? It's Ferrari. He's, he's a five-time world, four-time, four-time, four, four-time world champion. He was supposed to be Ferrari's saviour. Yep. Mm. But he, they haven't given him the car. They're it's, not respecting him by getting him on the front. It's on them, absolutely. It's exactly the same as the, Fana- the Fernando situation. They brought Fernando in to come and mix it with Vettel when Vettel was at Red Bull. And Fernando drove the wheels off that car. But they didn't honour Fernando by no. giving him a car that was capable of winning. They, yeah, they've got some Shocking. serious issues. It's just as disappointing, Tommy. Mm. Completely agree. I think he also did not back it up well. His third practice, he binned it. And then through qualifying, he was just Q2 all over the Q2 and Q1, shop. he hit the wall as well. All over yeah. the shop. Yeah. yeah. And really. he, he didn't hit it Three on the corner. Three times in he a day. On, <laughs> hit it on the straight. Like, yeah. uh, coming out of a corner on the exit. Exited the corner, then hit the wall. It was just and he inexcusable. Kind of drifted into it, didn't yeah, he? He just the wandered into a cor- into a wall for no reason whatsoever. Forgot and, what he was doing for a moment, and then came out and just nailed a lap right at the end on the buzzer to put Leclerc out, which is what we'll come to now, I guess. And why did Ferrari not send him back out? We touched on it before. Bernardo came out and apologised, and so he, he so he should. But it's not good enough. It's not even on Bonotto, to be honest. It's on the race engineers down at the strategy level. Like, okay, the team principal can have the buck. That's fine. But I'm sorry. This needs to be at a lower level. But honestly, Charles should have gone, put me back out. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care what you guys want. I'm not comfortable with this time. There was plenty of time between the... Okay, firstly, he missed the Weybridge. He missed his number. Yep, so they had to still. wheel him back. But there was so much time after that to mm, put yeah. him back in the car and send him out for another lap. You Ridiculous. Back on. Ridiculous. Out. Yeah. I think you're you're right. And what I did like about the way Leclerc handled the situation, he's been the first to jump on himself and be honest with the media about how he's performed. If he's stuffed up. He got out of the car this time and he was very critical of the team and didn't hold back. He said, I'll be be asking the questions. Yeah, I want answers and I I, I demand some Mm. sort of communication on Mm -hmm. the thing. So at least he's holding the team to the same account that he's holding himself to, which is good. And I think the way he handled it was... You know, speaks of home race. Like he's a, he's a born and bred Monaco as well. Yeah. Not like everyone who just lives there. Born and bred. Like they say he took the bus bloody down to school, and so this is very important to him. Um, heartstrings, Tommy. Very, very it's much part heartstrings. Of the old Monaco's heartstrings. <laughs> but Got you can tell to be sorry about this, living there. This race meant a lot to him. Yeah, totally. And he wanted to perform in front of his home crowd on the streets he grew up in and to be put in that situation where you're starting from the back of the grid essentially is just so must be so disappointing for him to hold it together as well as he did in that yeah. when he got out of the car is I think yeah 
full yeah. credit. Maybe you just have to be the head of a cigarette conglomerate to run Ferrari these days. Ooh. <laughs> hey, Bernardo, if, you, if you're listening, you're the director of Ferrari, even if you're listening, <laughs> thomasjcant.com.au. Well, that new sponsor they got, that mission, you know, that's a cigarette company. Yeah, yeah. Vapio. Good a real cigarette, he says. <laughs> True, though. Uh, okay, let's just let's finish on Ferrari. Disappointing Mercedes. Very quickly, uh, Valtteri just didn't have that sort of bullet gate style of driving that we've seen for the last couple of races for him in qualifying as well. He was quicker than Hamilton all weekend. Yeah. Except, except for that last except, lap. Yeah. <laughs> and that except, last except lap he got held up to. Literally so. Q3, he was the only time he was slower. Every other part of the race. We're talking about, it was eight, eight tenths. Just no, yeah, sorry. Tiny. 88 one thousandths of a second. Those, yeah, nothing. Those two were going to go like that all year. Mm-hmm. Which is good, to be honest, because Ferrari clearly not going to challenge yep. the first two. So, you know, Vettel, I should say. So it's good that we mm. can see some sort of exchanging of points all the way, hopefully past Brazil this time. I'd like to have and know who was in Mexico, that know who the actual championship winner is later towards the end of the year rather than a couple of races before <laughs> the end of the season. I don't, I don't see. I, th- I really thought that Red Bull would win this in Monaco. But after, in reflection, looking back at those sector three times in Barcelona where you get a good understanding of how a car works in a slow, low downforce, not a power-related track, Mercedes are so far in front of everyone. So. I, hence anything happening to them in the race, I don't see them getting beaten all year. They could go 21 from 21. Yep, I think you're absolutely not right. Not necessarily one-twos, but I can't see Yeah. <laughs> Bar an incident, an incident, yeah, or mechanicals. Lewis seems like he was struggling a bit with the car more so than Valtteri. Just didn't have He's it wrestling together it. as mm. much. Well, he can carry but, on too, can't he? Uh, he <laughs> likes to make you sound. But like you know, it's I hard. think half of that <laughs> is just playing the game. Well, I think I he's, say, I he's think a bit of a diva. Is playing the game though. He's, he's sitting on the radio because everyone's listening to the radio. You think of. You know, Anthony Davidson's sitting in Sky Race Control listening to the radio all the time and realizing, oh, you know, this is going out. And everyone, like Karun, your favourite new commentator, where's Ted? Uh, that is like, oh, you just go back on the radio and tell him, well, do you want to do this like last time? Of course he bloody knows that from last time, mate. He doesn't have no memory. He came, even came out and he said, yeah, look, you know, I was struggling with the tyres, but I'm not going to pit because ultimately I remember what happened when I pitted and lost last time. I, you know, it's a second yeah. victory for him in, in Monaco, isn't it? Yeah, Karun could... Caron carried on as well. He's, they they he's like to set, make it sound desperate. Just quickly, on the radios, did you hear that <laughs> bit with uh, Max Verstappen talking, talking to his team? Just very candidly, very casually when they were telling him about his penalty and they're like, you could do this, you can do that, or you could just bloody well just pass him, I guess. He's like, oh, cool, sick. They were telling him he could, ha- he could come in and serve it in the pit or he could serve it at the end or you can just go past him. He's like, oh. Wicked. Thank you. You know, I think Max pressured Lewis all the way to the end. You know, it, it was a, it wasn't really the gap there, was you've, there? At you've the, got to go end. for it though, right? But, mm. but you know what? Lewis didn't throw his arms up and go, what the hell was that about? He goes, yeah, okay. He sort of was, you know, my, his rear wing, sorry, his front wing was maybe on my rear tyre. It wasn't really there. You know what? Two professionals again. Okay, Lewis just carried straight on. Max tried his best to go around the corner and they carried on, but you know what? It was good to have a have a crack. You know, as Johnny mm-hmm. Herbert said, you've just got to have a crack, don't you? You have to. Yeah. You and if you had to go past him, that five oh, second gap would have, have opened up so quickly. He would have gone. With the tires. So, with the tires. well, gents, I think it was a was a fairly decent race. Really, I think we can thank Leclerc for that. To be honest, on reflection, <laughs> it's a spectacle. I think he spiced it up. It could have been very much just 
he also ruined Daniel's race as a, as a bloody result of it's him true. having a spectacles because he decided to shred his tyre and his floor everywhere, <laughs> which made for some interesting um, marshals on the track. Which and the thing you like about it too is that P1, FP1, 2 and 3 are all geared about getting the car as absolutely fast as it can be. So that mm-hmm. makes it more exciting in those sessions as well. So, Well... Look, we're disappointed for Renault. We're disappointed for Daniel Ricciardo, I should say. We're angry with Renault. Uh, some really interesting things happening. And to be honest, lads, I think we're going to see some even more interesting things happen in Canada. We've got a bit more speed, a little bit more overtaking opportunities. Some uh, some taps will be open. Hopefully some upgrades will be brought, like from Renault. Power. Power. It's a power-hungry circuit. So this could propel Renault right up to the front of that mid-back. It will be really, really Great to see. Well, look, we just want to thank you so much for listening to Oz F1, uh, our little recap series. We're doing very well. We could always be doing better, though, and we appreciate any feedback uh, that you might have. So please feel free to reach out to us, uh, www.ozf1.com.au. You can jump onto our website and leave us uh, any questions, some shout-outs. You can find us on Instagram at ozf1 or Twitter at ozf1official. That's A-U-S-F-1. And as always, please like and subscribe to our podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts will propel us into the world of F1 podcasts on their main site if we have a couple more subscriptions and likes. Come on. So we'll we'll get it up there. Gents, a very big thank you to you both and uh, really looking forward to seeing what we can see uh, for Danny Ricciardo at Canada. Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Then we got French. Fuck. Renault would suck there. Not France, French. <laughs> then we got Austria. Australia. <laughs> Austria. <laughs> you record me, you prick. <laughs>